Amen. So go ahead and take a seat. Right, and at this time, I want to invite Pastor Nikolai Dorohov, Pastor Andy Ivansov, and Pastor Alex Slobodanik up on stage. Um, I believe that these brothers, they have a lot of wisdom. They have a lot of understanding about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts. And um, there should be a number put up on the screen. There it is. Um, there's going to be a, a number up there, and if you have any questions at any point during the forum um, that you believe that it's on your heart and you want to answer, you can go ahead and text this number, and we'll do our best to answer it. Uh, and then we'll just uh, we'll we'll go through. We have a lot of questions to cover. Depending on time, I think we'll be able to cover a lot of them. And at any point, at any time, if you have a question, just text it to the number, and we'll do our best to uh, answer it. So, brothers, thank you for taking a part this time. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, Pastor Nikolai. Thank you. Um, and we're going to go ahead and jump into the first question. Um, and I don't think it was answered, but first question. If someone sins, will they lose tongues? So if somebody sins... Will they lose the gift of tongues? Can I be the first to answer? Yes, Andy. I believe it says in the book of Romans that God's gifts are irrevocable. So the question to that is no. The Gospel of John, not the Gospel, but 1 John states that there is some, some sin that does not lead to death. When King David sinned, he said, I believe in Psalm 53, do not take your spirit away from me, O Lord. So to answer that question, I think there's enough evidence in Scripture to back it up and say no. If somebody else wants to say follow-up, please. Does anybody else want to take follow turns? Up on the question? Yeah, just quickly, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. So, um, я думаю, что... На время не оставляет Господь без Духа Святого, ждет покаяния. Но остаются языки, но не мертвые. I believe that the Holy Spirit might leave and wait for repentance. Um, if, I'm, if I'm misinterpreting this, correct me. Uh, but... Um, the gifts remain of a person who sinned. The gifts, the gift of the speaking in tongues remains, but the gift is dead until the person repents. Uh, the tongues are dead until the person repents, and then once again they become like activated. So follow up. No, but they have to have a repentive heart, a heart that always repents. Uh, Alex, did you want to add anything to that? It's not necessarily answering directly this question, but I see a problem with uh, those who persist in sin and uh, at the same time insist on speaking in tongues. Sooner or later, that's going to be leading into a fake. It's already fake. It's like on the bike. I'm, I like a lot of illustrations. If the chain is not on the, those crockets or whatever, um, then you know I can still paddle. I can still paddle, but my power is like goes down, if that makes sense. Uh, I want to ask an, another question that was brought up uh, to, uh, via text message. Uh, the question reads like this. Once you get the gift of tongues, 
afterwards, do you just keep repeating the words that were given to you initially? Or is it whenever you're filled with the Spirit that you start speaking again? So I guess, I guess the question is, do your tongues continue to develop after you initially get filled with the Holy Spirit and you initially get the gifts of tongues? Does it continue to develop or every time you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're speaking, I guess, a new tongue? Alex mentioned this in his sermon. So yes is the, question, the answer. He said that to seek the greater gifts. So yes, you always have to continue to grow and increase. Can I interject? When we receive a different tongue, we receive it for prayer. There are different tongues. So uh, we having the Holy Spirit, we have uh, everything that the Holy Spirit has, which, are, which is all the gifts, but to each one's to each one the gifts open uh, differently. And so, uh, yes, there are different tongues, and the, the, the story with Pentecost was a little bit different. Okay. Uh, the next question that I want to bring up, also via text message came in, it says, how is the gift of tongues important for ministering to other people? It makes sense how the gift of healing can be used for ministering to others, but how are tongues important? What if you are more interested in seeking other gifts like healing or prophecy? Do you need the gift of tongues first? So again, I see the confusion about gift of tongues that needs to be used with the interpretation and the sign of speaking in tongues. So somebody lumps together again this in one uh, pile, in one thing, and, and that's not right. Uh, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, you start praying. As Apostle Paul said, I pray more than any of you. And we see the result in his ministry. When you're praying, God is speaking to you and you speak to him mysteries. That's being led by the Holy Spirit. That's being used by the Holy Spirit for whatever ministry, for preaching the gospel, for ministering people's needs, for understanding those steps that you need to make in your daily life, in your spiritual battle, and that's how it happens. So the sign of speaking in tongues is not necessarily directly benefiting even you. It's be it doesn't benefit others, and it doesn't have to because that's not the gift. The sign is not the gift. The sign is not the gift. But when you have that uh, uh, ability and that connection of speaking in tongues, you can find in the scriptures about intercessory prayer when you pray for others and you don't know how to do that. Multiple examples. Even recently in my life, you know, a couple times when somebody came on my mind, the true thing, the true story, on Sunday, 
a person whose parents were killed by Edgewood Church came on my mind when I was praying. And, and I didn't know why and what, okay? But that's, you know, the, the parents, you probably know already this story of one of our teachers at TCA, uh, or, or father-in-law and mother-in-law. Now, the, the, I don't think about that teacher. I didn't think about her husband, but all of a sudden it came on my mind. So the Holy Spirit is teaching and leading us, and that's not necessarily the same or, or ex not the same as the gift of tongues, okay? So let's just make a clear distinction between the two and not uh, use interchangeably. Gift of tongues, speaking in tongues, gift is gift, and speaking in tongues is different. Um, I can only say amen. Praise God. Thank you, thank you. Uh, the next question I want to ask is, uh, Paul says that in a church service, a congregation like ourselves, uh, we should speak in tongues only if there's someone who is able to interpret tongues. In our services, everyone seems to speak in tongues and no one interprets. Are we praying in a way that is unbiblical? Very legitimate. Good question. Uh, here you need to divide. When we, when we speak from the pulpit in a different tongue, you need an interpreter. But when we're all praying uh, with the tongue that we've received during baptism of the Holy Spirit, we all pray to ourselves together. No one's listening to us except God. And so, and so if someone um, has this gift of, of interpreting tongues, not translating tongues, but interpreting tongues, that person would sense, uh, even uh, hearing someone pray in, in, in the uh, sanctuary, that I guess they can interpret that tongue. Uh, let's go to scripture. So don't pull it out from the con uh, context. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about the structure and what needs to happen in the church. And so he talks about prophesying and speaking in tongues at the same time. So it turns out that people were bold enough to prophesy three and four at a time in a known language. And he says specifically, verse 29 and verse, uh, chapter 14, let two or three prophets speak okay. and let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. So seated, standing, one, two, three. He's talking specifically about structure. And it wasn't just about speaking in tongues. Don't speak in tongues, all of you. Or same for prophesying. Now, speaking in tongues, when you read this chapter, he gets to the last verses of the chapter. And he says, verse 33, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. It's not a problem with tongues or don't speak in tongues. But he says, there has to be peace, there has to be agreement, there has to be structure. Okay? You know that in this church, we all pray together. We intercede. If it's a prayer meeting, we specifically all raise our voices. We pray. It's not distracting me. We had prayers in my house for 
a few couple years uh, on Friday nights, and we would actually have uh, uh, young people coming who were not baptized with the Holy Spirit and feeling perfectly comfortable praying with the rest of us who were baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that if, if you have order, if you have uh, no confusion, then it's, it's all right. Verse 39, Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not, what does it say? Do not forbid to speak in tongues. But the bottom line, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. Okay? Being loud doesn't mean that it's not an orderly manner. You'll be surprised. I got a meeting, American uh, principals from, from around the, the area, Christian school principals, some big schools, some small, Cascade, uh, Seattle Christian schools, others. And we got together, one of them stands up and says, let's pray Korean style. And I'm like, Korean style? And he says, I'll teach you how to pray. So basically, when I went to Korea, uh, we all... Um, they were seated, not, not standing, but that doesn't matter. We started praying at the same time. I'll teach you how to do that. Don't yell, don't speak too loud, don't pray too loud, but everybody needs to pray at the same time in English. Okay? That's an orderly manner. That's an order, God of peace, no confusion. People understand that even without being baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can pray. I just call it Korean style. Okay? But the truth is, I don't see absolutely any problem with people praying together loudly in tongues um, and if it's, uh, if it's in orderly manner, we know when to do it. If somebody starts yelling right now and speaking in tongues, we would just turn around and say, hey, let's just hear this revelation uh, first, you know, and then we'll pray. That, that's it, okay? But I do believe, and here's my remark, not from, from the Bible, but from Alex Slobodanik. I do believe that we have to be careful and we need to preach about this and be more understanding because now we are not just here locally, physically in Tacoma. We're all over the world. And even right now, if we're broadcasted, people are listening. Some of them are ungifted. Some of them are undedicated the scripture words. So we have to explain and we have to be careful. If you notice, I almost never, rarely pray when I lead the prayer from the pulpit, I pray in tongues. But believe me, I pray, pray in tongues a lot. So the next question that we have is, are tongues required to mature as a Christian? In order for me to mature as a Christian, are tongues required uh, Апостол Павел задает в этой же 14 главе такой вопрос. То хотя дух мой молится, но ум мой остается без плода. Что же делать? Стану молиться духом, стану молиться и умом. Will pray in the spirit. Will pray in my mind. Will sing in uh, the spirit. Will sing in my mind. So it depends of our volition or our personal desire or decision. So, 
I promise God when I was uh, seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I promise you I will pray 90% of the time in the Holy Spirit. Only give me the Holy Spirit. And 10% of the time in, in a human language, in, in Russian or Ukrainian. So uh, it depends on the person who has the gift, uh, his desire or her. So we're going to go jump into the gifts of the Holy Spirit now, the next uh, portion of the questionnaire. Um, gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the gifts we read about in the New Testament haven't stopped, so that's us as believers. My question is, why don't we see the gifts today as prominently as believers in the first church do? People who say that gifts have ceased point to the fact that people who are gifted with healing do not heal with the same consistency and power as the apostles healed people. For example, the lame were made to walk, the dead were resurrected, even the apostles' shadow healed people. Today, most people who have the gift of healing heal things that are hard to verify, like wrist pain or shoulder pain, whereas Peter the apostle would walk into a room where someone had died and she rose from the dead. There seems to be a discrepancy between how we practice gifts and the first church did. So how, how, how do we answer that question? between the gifts then and how we see the gifts today. You know, amongst Christians, there was not a lot of healings. Богу. Healings work to bring pagans or people that are unbelievers to God. Apostle Paul in himself had a weakness or sickness. Uh, God didn't heal him. Timothy his, Timothy, his friend and his co-worker had a stomach problem uh, issue. God didn't heal him. There was a Paphroditus whom he left sick in Miletus, the Bible says. He didn't heal him. Paul was healing unbelieving people and they were believing. To us, we are believers. But when we do, when we take communion in an unworthy manner, someone is sick and some even die. So the gift of healing is the per, is a person who whom God speaks to which person needs to be healed or I, I want to share my example. I was in Donetsk. I had a sickness and the doctors told me that this is a terminal illness. I had four little kids and I said to the Lord in my heart Lord, if you want to take me, then prepare me. If you want to heal me, please heal me. But I want your will to be done. 
человека, God который имел дар исцеления. Он искал человека в очках. были незнакомы. Он приехал в ту семью, которая была на другой улице от нас. He came to the family that was across the street from us, 200 meters. И он говорит, я хочу помолиться за молодого человека, он в очках, он says, видел, видимо, мой образ. I want to pray for this person that is a young person who is sick and he has glasses. He saw like an image of me. I went to the house. На всякий случай я снял очки, потому что меня исцеляли зрение, глаза, но ничего у людей от этого энтузиазма не получилось. Я никому уже не верил. And so I didn't believe anyone at that point. Ну, я пришел из уважения. And so I came out of respect. Он стал молиться за меня их. And he began to pray for me. And so he wanted to lay his hands on my eyes. And I put my hand, uh, my head back. And suddenly he almost like hits me in my stomach. And the Holy Spirit spoke through him and said, son, uh, My son, now I take this uh, sickness away from you. And this happened in five minutes. И он спрашивает, у тебя больной желудок? Мне врачи сказали, ты можешь упасть и больше не встать. И хронический гастроэнтероколит. Gastroenterocolitis. Это было тогда, когда мне было 26 лет. And, uh, I was 26 years old. До сих пор это исцеление сохранено. To this day, this healing has been uh, firm with me. If God heals you of a sickness, it will never come again outside of uh, falling away. Does anybody want to add anything to that? Andy? Yeah, so um, I would argue that um, it's not true. The question was, you know, there is a difference between first days of uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit on this earth and nowadays, but not to a degree that, yes, we live in the same exactly time, but I would say that uh, there is no discrepancy in how or difference how the Holy Spirit uh, performed miracles. And you brought up an example of Apostle Peter raising Tabitha from dead, but also read Um, chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, Stephen, true witness of God, was stoned to death. He, everybody knew that he is a true believer. God didn't save him. The Bible says that the devout or godly men made loud lamentation over him. They didn't raise him from dead. Apostle Peter didn't come and pulled Stephen by his hand and raised him from dead because you also need to know where the Holy Spirit, where the where God is moving, 
And that's the problem again. Right now we are thinking about why wouldn't we see so many miracles? My question is what for? So that we will be healthy, wealthy, lazy, and do nothing? Is that the point? That's again, my, my point is that we need to preach the gospel. We need to minister to each other. And then you will see where you need to pray immediately for the healing and where you need to have a person confess their sins and then God will raise them from their weakness or whatever else. So I think we need to ask other questions than just compare like, how about we get more healings? What for? That makes a good point. Sorry to uh, last thought. Romans chapter 12, after it speaks about the gifts, also then afterwards says, let your love be genuine. When you're reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the gifts, chapter 13 says, and I will show you an excellent way, love is patient, love is kind. So that makes the point of what Alex was just saying. Uh, Love is attained through the help of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Love is uh, perfection, uh, the, the sum of perfection. And if we receive, uh, if we find the fullness of love, we don't need the gifts. So I want to build up on top of that. Um, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have a question that came in uh, via text message, and it says that, I have family that are Baptist, and they are incredible Christians and prayer warriors, yet they've never prayed in tongues. Why is our idea of prayer and the Holy Spirit, and I want to add to that, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the right one? For example, prophecies and speaking in tongues and healings. What separates us, for example, from the Baptists or from other denominations? what makes our perception of the gifts the correct one. Это вопрос. А вы знаете, у меня на работе, когда я там работал, you know when I was working, был человек из баптист. There was a Baptist. Он хорошо проповедовал. He preached well. He sang in choir. And I sometimes came to the Baptist. I had friends there. And he catches me when I'm going from work. And he asks the question. You know you, you know, you pray in a different tongue, but do you know what you actually say? I say, I don't know, but God understands me. Why do you need them then? And I said, listen, I will ask you a question. If you, if you answer this question, I will become a like a Baptist and I'll go to your church. I, I heard your prayer with the mind and you pray beautifully. I heard your songs with uh, uh, your mind. You pr you sing well, but you don't. But you don't pray in the spirit, and I do. 
You don't sing in the Spirit, and I do. Explain to me, what is that? He began to think. And he remembered Nehemiah when he prayed uh, in his own mind. And he said, did his mind work? And he said, yes. I said, when I pray in the Spirit, my mind doesn't work. And so he just said, get out of here. And he knew that he couldn't um, argue against this. There was this situation. I am not diminishing uh, Baptists. Baptists, there are very uh, godly people. And live better than some people who go to Pentecostal churches. But their, but their teaching uh, is all focused on that when they get baptized uh, in the water, the pastor prays for them, uh, lays hands. They believe that the Holy Spirit has come. That's what they say. But the main thing is being born again. I want to move on to, do you guys have anything to add to that? It's, um, I mean, in, in a personal conversation, maybe face-to-face, -face, it's easier to ask follow-up questions because it seems like that's a true believer from, from the description, someone who's in Baptist church, whatever church, and they're true followers of Christ. But then, you know, asking follow-up questions and, you know, they're being witnesses of Christ or... Uh, what, what, what do they do to fulfill their calling or what's even the calling from God in their life? You know, if you ask me, I can find examples of my neighbors or people in community who are so good they don't even need Jesus. Okay, and they will be like, they comparing to us, they will be much better, more patient, but that doesn't mean that they don't need Jesus or salvation or being born again. So bringing an example of specific person that you know it's great, I don't argue with that, but it's hard to answer that question. I want to move on to uh, prophecies uh, as part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So a question that uh, was asked was, why are many prophecies today vague? For example, when Postle, Apostle Paul was going to Jerusalem, he was being told exactly what awaited him in Jerusalem. Chains or imprisonment, and this is exactly what happened. Plus, in 1 Corinthians 14, 24-25, we read that when people were prophesying in the church, the unbeliever's secrets of the heart will be disclosed, and that how he will tell God, that, and that's how he will tell God is amongst believers. Today, it feels like such specific prophecies that talk about the secrets of the heart don't happen. I want to say one thing when Alex was preaching he said one phrase he said there's no such thing as copycat in the spiritual you can't copy the real spiritual a lot of people it seems like are trying to copy 
that right now, to look holy, to look like they know something, to one-up the other in the spiritual, to look more spiritual. But it doesn't necessarily mean they are. Scripture says to test the spirits. Scripture also says, do not forbid prophecy, but test. And how do you test prophecy? With God's word. So whatever somebody says, if they call themselves a prophet or a prophetess and they're prophesying, always match it up with God's word, ultimately. Yeah, as always, we need to start with definitions. If we use just, uh, you know, prophecy, what do you mean by prophecy? If you mean like clear prediction of the future events, like in the book of Revelation or something like that, then one thing. But if you read this same chapter 14 that where you brought up example from verse 25, read verse 3. It says specifically what the prophecy is going to look like. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, not guessing or predicting, for exhortation and consol consolation. Okay? It doesn't say anything, you know, you will see... So prophecy, the main point of prophecy is to hear the word that builds you up, edification, exhortation, teaches you how to live your life, and consolation. My son or my daughter, here's what's my promise for you, or here's the reminder about, you know, me being with you. Now, prophecy can also be in the category like in the Old Testament or New Testament, in the category where God specifically gives information for people to be saved, for people to be comforted, and so on. But it's not necessarily that, you know, this is vague prophecies, this is not vague prophecy. The prophecy doesn't have to uh, list names, dates, and, and uh, things, according to the scripture. Um, a follow-up question to that is, what happens if a prophet makes a mistake, makes a wrong prediction? Can she or he still prophesy? У меня было такое два раза в жизни, когда пророк, которому можно было верить, это был мужчина в нашей церкви, uh, there was a, a, a instance like this in my life. There was a man who was a prophet, and his prophecies were trusted. Um, he prophesied in our church. But one time he just wanted to help me. And in between the prophetic word, he uh, inserted his own word. I didn't know that. And I acted according to his prophecy. And I almost fell away from God. Because it was a lie that didn't come to pass. But then people prayed for me and I was restored. But God taught me that I need to discern God's spirit from man's spirit. And 
There are people who memorize scripture and they use these words as prophetic utterances. What, what is the motive? So that everyone might look at him to elevate himself and not God. So that he would have authority. But prophecies exist and they exist even in this church. It doesn't mean that the, the people that speak uh, out loud here. There are people that don't raise. But when I was at prayer, I went to Rusev. There was this one elderly man. He's not here. And he told me, you'll be where you didn't think you'll be. And I will bless you. And I didn't understand. I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere. And so I rejected this. In three days, Sayenko asked me to become a pastor of a church in Seattle. And so again, I was like boycotting inside. I don't drive. How am I going to go to Seattle? This is a different city. But then I remember this prophecy. And I went there. Uh, and then three uh, months they uh, chose me as a pastor of that church and for 14 years I was there being a member of this church and also ministering there I wanted to uh, uh, I wanted to uh, give my membership up but Senko said that's not necessary when you pray for a long time not five minutes but let's say half an hour I think and someone told him he says, you pray for an hour, there's nothing. Two hours, there's nothing. Victor Likyan was saying. But when the third hour went, uh, the heavens opened. I was praying for a, a woman today, my request. But only after an hour, I prayed another hour, because there was then uh, power. There was such joy. I was almost uh, clapping my hands. But I was singing. I was singing the Spirit. You know, the Spirit is given not so that we would show our neighbor that we're baptized. But like Alex said today, he intercedes for us. Uh, with uh, utterances that aren't made up, but that are very real. Thank you, Pastor Nikolai. Um, with the last 15 or so minutes, I want to move on to the last um, category, which is it's more of a touchy subject, I guess, but we still cover it nonetheless as Christians. And that it's demon possession or demonization. And a question that was brought up, and I feel like a lot of people are questioning right now is, 
Can a true Christian be demon-possessed? Feel free, anybody, maybe starting with Pastor Nikolai. Uh, uh, we uh, encountered such people. Very rarely, but it does, uh, it does happen. When in a church, there's this powerful prayer. For us, it was about 20 minutes long. Uh, people from the world, they would come and they would begin to scream. We would pray for them and we would leave them for after service. It was very Prayer for the, such people was very difficult because we didn't have this gift of, of someone who was able to cast demons out from our midst. But the people who joined this prayer without being free themselves, uh, the demon-possessed people would jump or attack these people. They would uh, rip their shirts apart. Uh, one woman was kicked, a pregnant woman was kicked by this uh, demon-possessed lady in the stomach. And so today, if, if we don't have the gift of, of casting out demons, if uh, we shouldn't take something that's not ours if God is not uh, telling us about this. But there are such things that when the Holy Spirit is inside of uh, us, but outside, uh, the Satan is whispering. And if a person receives the thought that which he uh, uh, is sent, then there's problems. Но сказать, что настоящий христианин никогда не будет иметь бес. But to wrap things up, a true Christian will never have a demon or be demon possessed. Um, a follow-up question to that I wanted to bring up was: My Christian friend is worried that he is demon possessed. How can he know for sure that he is a demon possessed or not? What are the sure signs of a demon possession? I would say in, um, a, a behavior that's not normal. And in prayer, he's not going to be able to act in a normal way. And if a person is thinking about himself, whether he's possessed or not, uh, 
But I, I won't think about myself that I'm possessed. A normal person will not think that he is uh, demon possessed. Uh, if uh, we're talking about faith, then uh, the demons, uh, they also believe but if faith is not confirmed by works this is a faith that's meaningless scripture says in, in 1 Corinthians 12 I believe Alex was reading it earlier that only what kind of person can say that Jesus is Lord that's one the second thing is you can really ask a few practical questions to that friend do you want to read God's word or not? Do you want to spend time in prayer or not? Do you want to sin or not? And if you do sin, how do you feel after that sin? I think we can all ask ourselves that question. What, what do I feel or what do I do? Do I feel disgusted or not? Do I want to repent and go back to God's word or not? I think we can ask ourselves or pass that friend those questions. Just examine yourself, as Scripture says, examine yourself. Test to see whether you are in the faith or not. And the last question, I guess, is a two-part question, also on the topic of demon possession is, do pastors in our church pray for people who are demon-possessed and and? Do pastors are are only pastors able to pray for someone who is demon possessed? I think Pastor Nikolai answered that one. To those who are ordained for that service and ministry are the ones who are to pray for it. Those who are not called to that service or don't or aren't familiar should not run around and look for that. Thank you. And with the last five minutes or so, there's. There's quite a number of questions that we still haven't, just for the sake of time, we, we don't have time to answer. Um, but any burning questions, any questions that are kind of like last minute, guys, I really want this answered. Uh, there's an open mic, uh, and if anybody wants, wants to go and just for the next five minutes or so, it's open mic, anybody is free to ask any questions. And this, yeah, there's, uh, okay, I guess the question that came in is, can a woman cast out a demon? So I, I still going to make a comment. Um, even though there is a gift of tongues and speaking in tongues, there is a gift of casting out demons. And then Mark chapter 16, it clearly says that these signs will accompany those who believe in me, those who will go, not necessarily having this gift of tongues or gift of casting out demons or gift of drinking poison and staying alive. But there will be situations where if you are going in the obedience to the Holy Spirit, you will be given power, boldness to pray for people. And you don't need to look for someone who's pastor ordained or has experience of casting out demons. But in the same way as you would not carelessly approach a bottle of poison and drink it, you know, the same way, don't just think that you can start praying for demon-possessed people. I have really small experience two or three times in my life where I had to pray one-on-one -on -one, one time and then in a group of people. 
believe me, you check yourself for everything because even if the slightest thing is in your heart at that time, an unconfessed sin or something, you will run out naked <laughs> according yeah. to the scripture. So, um, and on last comment uh, for me, I speak too much today. Sorry, um, last comment. I feel like this is not your friend, whoever asked this question. This is you. You're just saying my friend, but whatever. If it's you, you might have fear because you're struggling with some kind of sin or you're struggling with in the battle, spiritual battle, maybe nightmares, maybe things, spiritual things that are not joke. And you might even know where it came from. Maybe that was a horror movie. Maybe that was a witchcraft experience. Maybe that was something else. And now you're checking, am I demon possessed or not? Is that already too late or not? I want to assure you that it's not too late. And there is clear promise from God that you can be totally delivered, but you're not to joke around or, um, you know, just play with it. The Bible says that in the same person cannot be demons and the Holy Spirit. The room that was cleaned from seven demons, if it's empty, there's a danger of being, you know, yeah, to be occupied again, not from seven demons, I'm sorry, from one and then seven uh, more or eight together come. But, um, but if it's occupied with the Holy Spirit, there are not multiple rooms where, you know, both can live. Only one master can be in your heart. If you dedicated your life to Jesus, confess sins, and, um, you know, then it's probably just a spiritual battle. It's a temptation or some kind of, um, I don't know, pressure from, from the spiritual world. You need prayer, you need help, but it's not demon possession. У нас в группе было две женщины. Одна видела видение, другая пророчествовала. In our group we had two women. One saw visions, one prophesied. И два мужчины. And two men. А никто из них не был пастором None of them were deacon or a pastor. Когда приехал пастор со своими людьми, ничего не получилось. Понимаете, вот правильно сказал, кто помазанный. Кто чист. Все славно Богу. Last call for any, any burning questions. Um, if not, I guess thank you, brothers, for, for the word. I, there's a lot of questions, guys. Believe me, there's, we could be here for another couple hours uh, with all the questions that I got in. So Let's pray. if we didn't get to your question, I apologize. And we'll, uh, you know, if you have any personal questions, you come up to pastors personally and ask them. So with that being said, let's all just stand up right now.